in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I got this from the Defence Force website. The dawn service on Anzac Day is probably the most established Remembrance Day in Australia. Mike Frost, in uh, a comment just in this last week leading up to Anzac Day and the fact that uh, services would again uh, be able to be held in many places around our country, uh, just commented on the fact that people will when given the opportunity, come out and make a personal sacrifice to their living by getting up early and attending a dawn service. Many of those people did not choose to do that on Easter Sunday. We live in a changing world. We live in changing times but we worship an unchanging God. Today's Anzac Day. Everybody knows its story, but the story behind its greatest story is not as well known. The background story is buried in a small cemetery out in the bush, outside the North Queensland town of Herberton, just a bit north of us southwest of Atherton, kind of due west of Melanda. A single grave covered by a whitewashed concrete slab with a cement cross at the top. No name is written, just two words, a priest. Nothing to identify the grave as that of the priest who created the dawn service. Relatively recently, a sign was erected there that says, adjacent to and on the right of this marker lies the grave of the late Reverend Arthur Ernest White, a Church of England clergyman and padre, 44th Battalion, 1st Australian Imperial Force. On the 25th of April 1923 at Albany in Western Australia, the Reverend White led a party of friends in what was the first ever observance of the dawn parade on Anzac Day, thus establishing a tradition which has endured Australia-wide ever since. So this Reverend White served as a padre of the earliest Anzacs to leave Australia. He was on the first AIF uh, fleet to leave in November 1914. This convoy left 
Albany in Western Australia before they boarded though, before they jumped on board the ship. At 4am in the morning, he held a simple service for all the men of the battalion. And when White returned to Australia in 1919, he was appointed relieving rector of the St John's Church in, wait for it, Albany. Maybe a coincidence that the starting point of the AIF convoys should now become his parish, that he was involved on that first morning and then became involved in a remembrance. Uh, no doubt there was that memory of his first dawn service years earlier as a motivation and obviously the emotional experiences overseas that inspired him to honour the men, both the living and the dead, who'd become part of the Anzac tradition. And he started that Anzac memorial right there in his own parish. Uh, Albany, he said, was the last site of land these Anzac troops saw after leaving Australian shores and some of them never returned. We should hold a service here at the light of dawn each Anzac day to commemorate them. So historically, we know that Anzac Day 1923 became the first commemorative dawn service. Uh, Padre White quietly recited the words, as the sun rises and goeth down, we will remember them. Pretty soon, the various return service communities around Australia emulated that ceremony. And as we know, it continues today. And eventually, White was transferred from Albany to serve other congregations. He went to South Australia, Broken Hill, uh, later in Forbes in New South Wales. And in his retirement from parish life, he moved to Herberton, where he became a chaplain of an Anglican convent. But pretty soon after his arrival in 1954, he died to be buried so modestly and anonymously as a priest. Anzac Day. It's still special, arguably the most sacred day in our national calendar. It's a day that helps us understand a little more about what it means to be Australian and it gives a window into our national identity more than any other single element in our societal life. And for many who are not part of the church or worshipping community, Anzac Day is the most reverent public ritual and expression of liturgies that they ever experience. Even more so than funerals. At shrines and memorials and monuments all across the country, people gather to remember and honour those who've fallen, and to salute and express gratitude to people who have survived and some who can still march. And it contains hymns and prayers and reverent silence like nothing else in our community life. It's so much about sacrifice. Many people died serving this country and the culture of standing alongside your mates and saving stories like uh, the New Zealander Simpson and his donkey I found this other story. This one comes from World War II. 
On board the SS Dorchester in 1943 were 903 troops and four chaplains, including the Moody Bible College student, Lieutenant George Fox, a Methodist minister. The ship was travelling across the North Atlantic Sea where German U-boats were patrolling and just after midnight on February 3, a German torpedo tore into the ship. She's going down, the men cried, scrambling for the lifeboats. And a young soldier crept up to one of the chaplains. I've lost my life jacket, he said. Take this, the chaplain said, handing the soldier his jacket. And before the ship sank, each chaplain gave his life jacket to another man. The heroic chaplains then linked arms and lifted their voices in prayer as the Dorchester went down into the sea. Lieutenant Fox and his fellow pastors were awarded posthumously the Distinguished Service Cross. There's a lot of stories of sacrifice that have come out of all the conflicts. But there's one conflict that has a sacrifice that has and can benefit all mankind. Jesus is the greatest example of sacrificial love. And I know this verse will be familiar to most of you. John 15 and verse 13. This is the precedent and this is the command for how we should honour one another. Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Our life and decisions as Christians should mainly be understood from the accurate understanding of what God has done for us. Amen. What God is doing and will always do. Jesus' sacrifice, his life given in place of ours, is a sacrifice for sin. The once and for always atonement for sin. That which needed to happen for pardon to be given and life restored. And the callous way to say that is the get out of jail free card for sinners. But only through faith, trust and belief. And uh, may I say, that's the missing link that wasn't missing for so many of the people that we remember on Anzac Day. Don't forget that. That for so many, and that's why I believe, as I've checked it with many others, I I checked with one of the uh, serving chaplains that's an attender of our church, is it appropriate to remember Anzac Day? I've always done it, so I felt that it was but I wanted to check it now that I'm living in a garrison city. And his answer was brief, but clear. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll get to why. But the sacrifice upon the cross to pay the death penalty for people is the greatest ever sacrifice. And we will not forget that. What an amazing God we have. And to be Jesus followers and imitators, we carry the hope of the world for peace and contentment. We carry it in our heart that we could share it with others. And Jesus calls us to pray for and love our enemies and even those who persecute us. And when his enemies came against him with military force, he didn't resort to reciprocal violence to defend himself or his cause. Now, could he? (laughs) Absolutely. But he chose not to because he had a greater plan. And his greater plan was to honour the plan of his father. Offering himself as the prince of peace rather than as a holy warrior. Jesus allowed the war machine of might and power to add him to a seemingly endless bloodstained list of sacrificial victims. War was not an aim for Jesus Christ. However, I cannot ignore the fact that at times Jesus did get involved with conflict. In Matthew 21, 12 to 17, there's a story of Jesus confronting and overturning the tables of the money changers in the temple. And so very often we see Jesus confronting the Pharisees about their approach to life, about their own uh, piety and sin their understanding of who God is and how they were treating others. So where does that leave us in regards to Anzac Day? Can we participate in our honouring the fallen without being in conflict with the gospel of Jesus? Well, I believe, like a lot of other things in life, the answer is yes, we can, but... We need to do so with caution to keep things in balance. And that's been our aim and desire for what we've done today. Aware of the good that we can obtain from acknowledging Anzac Day and also aware of the dangers if we allow Anzac Day to be seen outside the context of Christianity. In other words, we need to allow Jesus to lead us and remembering the context in the original ceremonial remembrance at Albany is very helpful to us even today. You see, Anzac Day was all about thanking God, remembering God, having Christ in the centre of remembrance. That's where it started, and for me, that's where it continues. And we need to be an army, of God's army using even Anzac Day to share the love of Jesus. Not kind of just saying, oh, they haven't got it right. Let's be part of what's right. St. Augustine, uh, a man who lived a long time before any world war, made a very profound statement. 
He said, the goal of participating in any war is peace. We should let that ring in our ears. The goal of participating in any war is peace. And St. Augustine, in, he's referring to true peace. Not surface level peace where everything looks okay, but underneath it isn't. And not uh, let's just stop shooting kind of peace. But living and working towards true peace and contentment in one's soul. That's something every Christian is called to work towards as followers of Jesus. In Hebrews 12 and verses 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, set apart to glorify God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And then in Romans chapter 12, from verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And Timothy adds, In chapter 2, I urge then, first of all, the petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Peace is the goal. It's important for us as Christians and not just because it's a nice touchy-feely thing, but because it's one of God's aims for his relationship with us. Uh, Jesus died to bring us peace, the kind of peace that dwells from within, that then emanates outwards. And importantly, it helps us to be God's missionaries in life. And when we look at church history, we see the church grows when Christians are at peace with each other and God. Why? Because they are far less focused on themselves and what they want and more focused on what God is calling them to be and to do. But the unfortunate thing about human nature is that peace is not always our desire. Uh, Often we're influenced by sin, our sinful nature and the sins that others commit influence us in a negative way. And, And that's the whole work of Satan, deception, deceit, counterfeit, drawing us away, putting something in our line of sight that actually captures our attention and makes us to focus on something other than Jesus and his desires for us. Keep your eye on Jesus. Amen. Let's keep our eyes on Christ. Turn our hearts to him. Tracy and I and our four children had the opportunity a few years ago now 
but close in my memory. Doesn't seem to be that long ago. To visit northern France. There's a village there of just over 4,000 people called Villers Bretonneur. It's where the Australian National Memorial stands. And it's not some little shrine, it's a bit bigger than a footy field. And the cross in the picture is known as the Cross of Sacrifice. It's on an incline uh, going up a natural hill and it includes a large tower and a cross at the top. And uh, it kind of, when you visit it, it's a bit like a walled city. We'd been to Italy and visited a number of uh, walled cities, ancient cities, and then uh, toured up through Germany and came down and uh, we hired a vehicle so we could vi- visit these sites. And it was winter and it was fantastic to actually visit where there was snow and uh, walk amongst uh, the countryside and and have that experience of remembrance. I have a couple of uh, great uncles that were lost in the war, killed in northern France, and Tracy has some relatives as well. So it was interesting for us as a family to visit this place. There's about 11,000 Australian soldiers' names and the following inscription. To the glory of God and in the memory of Australian Imperial Force in France and Flanders, 16 to 18, and of the 11,000 who fell in France and have no known grave. The reason the Australian National Memorial exists in Villers Bretonneur is that Australian soldiers retook the village from the German army. Uh, we later walked into a little cafe, sat down and they rushed in to kind of uh, give us attention and fish and chips was the main thing on the menu. In the uh, massive conflicts that were occurring, So many people died of all nationalities. And on both sides, I think, they died so others could live and live in peace. As a result, the French in Villers Bretonneur consider Australians very good friends and they will give you fish and chips. And the local school has a big sign that says, do not forget the Australians. A big sign on the gate says the Victoria School. And Australians are considered great friends because they laid down their life for those who lived in Villers Bretonneur. What happened there is something along the lines of what Jesus talks about in John chapter 15 and verses 12 to 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is our sacrifice, our peace. And let me pause. I am not and will never glorify war or conflict. Not now, not ever. 
But we need to consider the value of sacrifice to better understand the picture of sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross of Calvary. He died so that others could live. True? Now, Jesus calls each of us to have that kind of selfless love. Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. That is a massive call. Love from Jesus is what we celebrated at Easter a few weeks ago. Remembering not only that Jesus loved us, but how he loved us. That's the picture. Paul says in Romans 5, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we should think carefully about what Jesus has done, what he is doing and what he will do. The great thing about Jesus' actions is he doesn't just want to have peace with everyone who says that they love him. He died for all. God wants to have peace with everyone, including those who are his enemies. And that's a good thing for each of us. Because when we consider God's standards, God's application, and because of sin, we're all enemies of God. Every time we sin, we're rebelling against God and we're making a statement that we're going against God. So the reality is for all of us that we can be thankful that Jesus had this unselfish approach to life. But Jesus' sacrificial death paid the price of sin once and for all. Can I repeat that? The sacrifice was once for all and all time. But that statement is not talking about time. And we get victory. It releases those who will believe in him from tragedy of death. And the powerful influence of Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus calls us to imitate him. Remember, he said, love each other as I have loved you. And Jesus has made this possible. And we can now bring the light of Christ into a dark world. So on Anzac Day, I and, and you and we and all can stand together with others declaring Jesus Christ is Lord. Loving others empowers us to bring peace, hope and love into our world. We can bring the hope of eternal life into the hearts of lonely and struggling people and we can be the difference in a hurting world lest we forget, lest we forget Jesus, the one who makes true peace and living with God ultimately possible. Can I ask you to stand as we pray?
Father, we believe that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God, your Son, Son of Man, the sacrificial Lamb of God, the one whose life was given so that all those who put their trust in him, put their faith in him, believe in him, shall have eternal life. We stand in awe of your amazing grace. We stand, Lord, in acknowledgement that, Lord Jesus, your sacrifice is all that we could possibly need. That was your plan. And your plan is completed. And your plan continues that we might bring and bear the light of Christ to others. And Father, we want to thank you for surgery for Mrs. Hare in this last 48-hour period. I want to thank you for the success of the surgery and want to thank you for the renewing of her body. And we ask, Lord God, that you will continue to heal her. And there are others, some that have been given notice of uh, surgery to come in the future. And we ask, Lord, on behalf of all of those who are sick, that you will raise them. Lord, that you will bring your healing power, that you will bring your anointing, that, Lord God, we will see your grace, this amazing grace, your power and your healing unified because of your love. Thank you for loving us.